we'll never really know how much impact we'll have on a person's life, maybe until way, way later. But I'm telling you, as long as we continue to pursue the face of God and let that become an influencing factor in our hearts, where you just know, if without Jesus, I would be an utter mess. And then we begin to show that, to be vulnerable, to be honest. People, people are looking for that. People are hungry for People are hungry for what's real, what's authentic. Welcome back, everyone, to the Deeper Still podcast. Deeper Still is more than a podcast. Hopefully, by now, this is true. We are really banking on the idea of this. Lord, please. Um, But it is also a monthly worship gathering meeting every last Monday of the month. If anyone thinks that we're not telling the truth, just find somebody in the Deeper Still community who's been to one of these gatherings. I think there's enough pictures. I I think so, right? Right? They could be faked. (laughs) They're just all in Gabe's living room. (laughs) It's like in basement, like, we make it seem like we have these big worship gatherings. We Photoshop people. (laughs) They're just stocked. But uh, I'm Daniel Acevedo. Joined with me is... Jack Fitzmorris. Jack Aloysius Fitzmorris. Lamar Fitzmorris. That's right. We did say the right name. I was going to just call you Jay. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. With no, like, last name or nothing. You were just going to be Jay. That would have been new. Like, like a, like a basketball player. Like, what's his name? Jay. It's just Jay. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it's not even spelled out. It's just a letter. I I don't got nothing for you, man. (laughs) I mean, that's new. That's a new, that's a new one for me. We also got Gabe Lopez on the ones and twos. Gabe's always helping us out, keeping us on track. It's true. It's true. But we're very excited today. Jack, would you like to introduce our guest? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not. Let me put on my guest intro (laughs) voice. Oh, yeah, that's right. Can I get some intro music? (laughs) (laughs) That was the worst. That was the worst. Forget the music. We don't need it. I'll leave it to the musicians. All right. Well, today we're very excited to have our very special guest. He's the pastor of New Life Community Church, Logan Square. He's got a ton of other titles. And Gabe, he's your father, Danny Lopez. Pastor Danny. I'm going to out myself in front of the audience and say I totally accidentally wrote Pastor of New Life Oakland. That's not gonna work. But, but oh, I know, I know he's the pastor uh, of Logan, which is hilarious. That's rough. You hate we're, to see it. We're just gonna, we're just gonna slide past that <laughs> one. Zero pastor Danny, it is good to have you on the podcast. I am ecstatic for being here. I am humbled. Uh, really and really grateful uh, to get into this conversation. <laughs> it should be interesting. Excuse my co-host as he thought you were the pastor. No, I didn't. Well, I you didn't know, we are one church. We are one it's church, true. multiple locations, it's so true. it's all good. I knew because, of course, Gabe, obviously, I've been to Logan before, but mistakes were made. They've been confessed. Jesus forgives. <laughs> For all of that unrighteousness. Amen, brother. Go ahead. Uh, Pastor yeah. Danny, just kind of getting to know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
uh, jobs you've had in the past, kind of what you're doing now. Do you pastor full-time currently? Just some things like that. Boy, uh, tell you a little bit about myself. Well, I was born here, born and raised here in Chicago. I am a Quick native loop. Chicagoan. Yep. North side specifically. Ooh, wow. Yes. yes. Here we yep, go. Yep, 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 yep. And yeah, I um, typical urban inner city family you know uh at least during the season of my life and i uh, my junior high years i broke grew up in a broken home uh my parents never really married dad uh was abusive and when i was around eight years old uh, mom and dad had a ginormous fight a fist fight in front of me and my siblings and man that was that's when it all started uh, so man yeah so grew up in a, a single parent family home my mom uh, worked many hours I was a latchkey kid during my uh, junior junior high years and my high school years and rarely saw my mom because she worked second shift so in a sense I kind of raised myself per se my I'm the youngest of four my two older brothers and sisters they were already out yeah. they were partying game banging the, the whole nine yards yeah so sure, that's sure. a little bit about, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, just, I guess just briefly, like, because um, we're going to dive more into this later. But um, how did you how did you come to be pastor at uh, Logan? And is are you full time? Are you bivocational? Yeah. No, I am a uh, <laughs> career, <laughs> yeah. career pastor in, in the United States. That's a privilege, a huge privilege and I don't take it I don't take it uh, lightly it's a calling it's not a career it's a calling yeah um, I I know I mean we can work our way up to that point when I dove into Jesus when I was 13 I just got all up into church uh, and let's define the word church I got all up into uh, the body of Christ because the body of Christ was the family that I needed to take me and protect me and help me and embrace me. Um, I didn't have a family. Technically, I had a family, but I didn't have a yeah. family structure. Yeah. The, 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 the Church of Jesus Christ became my family structure. I had lots of dads, lots of moms, lots of brothers and sisters. I had grandmothers, grandfathers. Uh, I had stability. I had. I found purpose. I found reason. Uh, I found food. They. Had, I loved. I loved uh, the church. Uh, there was food there I can eat. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. uh, it sounds funny, but it's true. You know. Yeah. Grew up in the hood. Uh, my mom was trying to make it happen, and you know sometimes we didn't get to eat, and so. Yeah. Although she tried, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. And shout out to all the churches who are you know working those front lines of you know, running a food pantry or just Absolutely. trying to get donations to give out on a Sunday morning mm -hmm. or something. And, and, uh, and I, I, I can share with that. Not only have I been benefited that in my own life, um, I have seen many, many of people who have benefited from the church being the hands and feet and saying, Hey, um, we're gonna, we're gonna try to provide a basic need for mm -hmm. human being, which is food, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. it's not lobsters and steaks, but no, man, man when milk, you, bread, butter, yeah. when you don't you have know. a lot of options, when somebody's willing to give you, man, it, what a blessing. So yeah. shout out to, to all those who are, Amen, who are working man. those lines. Praise God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I am a career 
a pastor, been been doing in full time ministry. I think I I was ordained when I was twenty seven, and then went full time, was part time for a few years, and then went full time when I was twenty eight. So privileged, huge privilege. And and while you were working uh, part time. Uh, as a pastor, were you working anything else at the time too? <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> the first seven years of my marriage, I had ten jobs. Oh, <laughs> no whoa! Way. Oh my no gosh! Ten jobs. I did. I did it all. I did. I worked for Wonder Bread. I was a tow truck driver. I was a. I worked for a TV studio. I was a parts driver. I was an exterminator. I worked for. Uh, a plumbing supply house, whatever I can do as a dad yeah. sure. to make sure I can pay the bills. That's what I did. Trying to find a job that I can make more money because we had to pay the bills. Yeah. Got to feed my kids. Got to have insurance, you know. And so I wasn't picky. I, I, I saw want and you want help wanted. Boom, I got got that job and then I worked it for about a year until I can find something else to make a little bit more money. Because at the end of the month, we got to pay rent, and my right, kids right. need food, and we need this, and we need that. So, Man, praise God. That's Dude, awesome. I, yeah, I can't yeah. imagine that, that would have been easy to keep having to go through these things. But, <laughs> no, but it was um, not easy. Man, praise God. But that's what you got to do, bro. You got to yeah. grind, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah praise God that he provided all that. But, yeah. man, Pastor Danny, you could do everything now. You know what I mean? We could run a TV station. If there's bugs in the TV station, you he's can got that. Man, and if know? the pro- you know, toilet's broken or sink's broken, I can you know? fix it. He's, he's the guy. <laughs> You, you were running the city by yourself I Come think, on, man. At, at one point and pastoring yes. at the same time, meeting yes. people's physical needs and spiritual, and spiritual needs. Amen to that, brother. Well, Pastor Danny, trying to just get to know you a little better. Um, we hear you're a huge superhero fan. And, and to even specify on that, um, Superman is your favorite superhero? Well, is that correct? I wouldn't say Superman. I, now you're talking DC Marvel. Okay. There's a difference okay. between DC and Marvel. Uh, I I do. There's a there's a lot tied into superheroes. It, it ties into also my testimony. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not having a father, uh, I was looking. I was looking me personally, and I can remember when I was in third, fourth, fifth grade. Uh, I started reading comics, and then when I was in, yeah, my mom would give me a seventy five cents a week allowance. To, to do the dishes and clean the bathroom and dust. So when I would get my 75 cents, I would go to the store across the street and you get three you can get three comics for 75 cents. Wow. Can't even buy half a comic no. for 75 <laughs> cents now. So I would get comics and sit down and just read and infantilize about what it's like to have a strong hero in your family. So, And so yeah, there was the Hulk, and Daredevil, I get those comics, uh, Spider Man and Friends, and then and then X Men came on TV, yeah. and oh, we started yeah. watching X Men on TV, and then I got my kids into X Men, and then we were still buying comics, and then Captain America became one of my heroes because he was the guy that uh, protected the underdogs. He yeah. hated bullies. Yeah. yeah. So Captain America became one of my favorites, and then Batman was the Dark Knight, the mysterious Ooh, guy. Right. And uh, and then Superman was just—he's everyone's favorite. Yeah, but uh, unless you're Jack. Well, yeah. I'm a Green Lantern guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not to me. I like Green Lantern. He's, yeah, he's, nice. he's cool, man. I, I personally like the movie too. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was okay. Yeah. I think there's room for improvement. Oh yeah, but it was—it was just cool to see it. You know? Yeah. And yeah. So uh, yeah, so I got. I've, of course, I watched all the, the Marvel movies, and I really enjoyed. 
uh, Batman versus Superman. I wasn't yeah. super picky. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, thank you. We can appreciate that here on the go. podcast. There we go. Listen because to everybody out here talking mad garbage <laughs> yeah. about that movie. Yeah. Tell them, Jack. You watched the Ultimate Edition, mm-hmm. okay? The theatrical is good enough, but let me tell you, you watched yes. the, the full directorial cut. Preach it, 30 brother. Extra minutes. I haven't it, seen it yet. Oh, really? No, oh, I got really? it. It's good. Oh. It's good. Oh, it explains everything so well. I'm going to find it. It's so good. I loved it. it. And Aquaman it, was awesome in Aquaman it. Aquaman I mean, was awesome. He was a beast. I, I can appreciate a fellow DC yes. fan, <laughs> yes. honestly. I and I'm with you. I, I enjoy Marvel a lot too. Yeah. Like I, I really enjoy Marvel. Um, I've watched all the Marvel movies. Also, um, my 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 oldest brother, he was the one who he got us into comics. Me and all my siblings, because he was the guy who always found them growing yeah. up. He's got like the original like. Death of the of, of Superman comics oh, and things like that. that. I got that. Yeah, and you're, it's like, how do you not enjoy them when they're like constantly around? But I've always kind of leaned towards DC personally. Uh-huh. Um, you say that in public, and you're like ostracized. <laughs> yeah. They're like, their movies are stupid. Oh no, man, they're good. <laughs> and you're like, please just see reason. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, talking about that that very line of comics, Death of Superman. I had no idea, but my mom, when I started getting into comics, she was like, "Hey, I used to work at like a comic, like slash like card sports card shop." And she's like, yeah, I have these boxes of comics. Maybe you could take a look at them. Maybe they're valuable. Who knows? Dude, I found in that box not only two Michael Jordan rookie cards, which I might add, like, oh, dude. Maybe they're valuable. Maybe not. Oh my God. Michael Jordan? Jordan? Uh, Jordan. No. Uh, and then I was like, what are these other comics? Dude, first edition, like, Death of Superman all of like the whole wow. like the, the whole story, but first edition, and I was like, "Man, you have no idea <sighs> what we're holding here." <laughs> Just put like, it in know. plastic. I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're <laughs> maybe good stuff. And I was a big Daredevil fan. I, I really like. Yeah. Yes, I watched the whole series. It oh was my god, incredible! Yeah, good I fe- stuff. I feel like this is one of those things where it's like. We could almost talk about this for the rest of the show. <laughs> and so we'll try to reel it in for the sake of the audience who's like, I don't even watch superheroes. I'm sorry. We'll pray for you. Um, no. But uh, just kind of switching gears here a little bit. And to prove that I knew he wasn't the pastor yeah, yeah. of New Life Oaklawn, here in question two, it's uh, I have it written correctly. All right. You don't need to cancel anything. <laughs> but... <laughs> but um, Currently, you're the pastor of New Life Logan, um, but before that, you've worked in many ministries. Uh, you attended Moody Bible Institute, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I wanted to talk about that. Uh, what were you studying, and in your time there, how has God prepared you for the various ministries and work uh, that you've been a part of all these years? You know, it goes back into my uh, teen years. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up at Faith Tabernacle Church, and because I was at church... No lie, I was at church anytime the doors were open because there was no one home anyways. So I would find when the, something was going on at a church, I would go to church, first of all, to get some food and then to find people. And then being at church was fun. It was friendly. There were nice people there. It was peaceful. So whenever they needed help, you know, I was 14, 15, I would just, okay, I'm here. What, what do you want me to do? How can I help? So I did everything, everything from 
cleaning to children's ministry to uh, helping out in sound, wherever needed to be done, I just got involved in it. And doing that gave me a lot of experience. Then I started saving money and I bought my own drum set. And then uh, I got to meet some of the musicians and the singers and the worship team. And they say, hey, Danny, here you play drums. So I was able to introduce drums into the church. And then they discovered I can sing. So I was able to sing a special. And then that just kind of propelled everything at that point. So I got into, uh, I got, became a part of a, a worship team. And then we formed a group called Measure of Faith with three amazing singers. And they coached me and trained me in singing and in music. And they just started giving me platform. And then they coached me in praise and worship yeah. and what uh, what it really means and what it really is. It's not a performance, but it's a, it's a dance that we do with, with God. And uh, yeah, I just started figuring out I had a gift and talent in singing and, and leading in worship. Um, by then I got married, formed a rock band called Vessel. We did that for about six years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started doing a lot more speaking. Uh, giving the altar calls after the concert. And then um, one of the ladies, there are two sisters at the church. They were both Jamaican. They were missionaries. They told me, Danny says, the hand of God is on you. You need to go to school Uh, because you're doing more speaking, more ministry. You need to go to school. Now, growing up, I wasn't the best student. Mm -hmm. And so I always believed that I was stupid, too stupid to go to school. Um, Stupid meaning ignorant or I'm just not smart like all those people. Uh, I was smart enough to graduate, but I was always a C average student. What I excelled in was sports, art, and music. Those are That's where I'm best at. When it comes to reading, math, I just felt real dumb. But they're telling me, no, you need to learn scripture and you need to learn the Bible. And so being a truck driver, I drove a, a trucks in, uh, in, in the city. I would listen to Moody all day, literally. From nine o'clock, I listened to uh, James Dobson, Chuck Smith, Chuck Swindoll, Rod Schmidgall, Tony Evans. I mean, you, all the yeah. preachers. So I was like in school in the truck. Mm-hmm. And then in the afternoon, around three o'clock at Moody, there was Conference Echoes, or it was four o'clock. So I looked forward to Conference Echoes because they pulled out all the old archives from some of the greatest speakers from many, many years ago. And then so when I wanted to go to school, I knew I wanted to go to Moody. I just had to go to Moody. So by God's grace, when I, when I, came, when I became a part-time youth pastor, the church uh, helped me financially to go to school. So it was a huge honor. And so I started, I started evening school um, so that I can still work and supply the needs for the family. And I went to school on Thursday nights, then on Saturdays. And, and that was able to, took me six years to earn my associates. But little by little, I was able to go to school. And the, the greatest lesson that Moody taught me was Moody, the professors there taught me how to study. Because once you graduate, you don't finish. Once you graduate, you just get started. Yeah. You're, you'll always be a lifetime learner. So Moody taught me how to study, taught me how to do research, taught me how to learn. Uh, ministers are learners because we're teachers. So I've always loved reading. I have a huge library and, 
and I will always be reading. You guys need to read books, just read. And so that's what Moody did for me. And uh, yeah, so I learned theology. Um, I got a, I got a, I got a degree in Bible theology. I didn't go to school to learn youth ministry. A great friend of mine, whom I respect, is a very educated man. He said, "Danny, go to school, learn theology. You can learn youth ministry by going to conferences." And so that's what I did. So I learned theology at Moody, and I learned youth ministry by going to youth specialty conferences, group conferences, and reading books. So I read books by Duffy Robbins and some of the greatest youth guys of the day. And, uh, and I, so I learned how to do... But here's the problem with that, though, because a lot of the youth ministry material at the time was geared toward white suburban youth ministry. There was nothing, nothing, nothing for urban, the urban context. So I would have to buy these books, read it, and then contextualize it for the kids that, uh, that we did ministry to. That's yeah. great. That is awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the things I, th- I think I really liked about what you were saying was uh, the importance of learning how to study. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think, because Jack and I, we, we, we run a couple of groups together, and one of the things that uh, constantly uh, am sharing with, uh, with those that we uh, work with is that I'm not just here to tell you what to think. Mm-hmm. I'm t- here to teach you how to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was a difficulty for me because much like you, I kind of felt like, oh, well, I'm not a good student or I'm not this or I'm not that. And and I just kind of bought in a lot of what I felt smarter people told me. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'll just... They did the work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until within the past couple of years that I've um, just honestly through listening, like you've been saying, like through listening to to good teachers uh, that you could find so easily over the internet now. Um, and one of those big emphasis is that a lot of how our culture teaches is this is what to believe. This is what to think. Mm-hmm. This is what you, and it's like, what if we started teaching people how to mm-hmm. think and what to do with that knowledge? Um, and especially in a biblical context, right? And when we're talking about God's word, we're not just talking about, you know, how a cheeseburger is made or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and how to wrestle through that, how to think, how to ask questions, mm-hmm. right? And that's a challenge in our culture, especially more so today than, than 10, 15 years ago. The mm-hmm. cell phone or the internet has, is, is really, affecting how we're thinking um, because I mean there's I'm reading a book right now that is, is a controversial book and so you always compare authors to authors so I'm, I'm, I'm reading this book on, on church uh, institutional church and organic church now I'm comparing his thoughts with people from like, like N.T. Wright yeah. and other great thinkers and educated men so I'm trying to see what does he say? What does he say? And then what do I believe? So it's it's a little bit of this is what you should think, but then this is how to think, and this is how you wrestle through a thought. Right. You know, and and us in the inner city, uh, we don't. Well, at least with the way I grew up, you just you listen to someone and you just take it and you run yeah. with it, and that's it. You don't ask questions. Right. You know, well, we need to be asking questions. Yeah. And teach people how to be able to do that. And especially in the church, I think there's this mm-hmm. stigma that somehow if you do that, and sadly, I, I, I know I've heard, I've talked with people who, who felt like, well, within the community they were in, it wasn't necessarily allowed. And so I, I'll grant that um, some locations and some places have kind of made that uh, a thing. But I would think that it's healthy for the body mm-hmm. um, to not 
necessarily just take the preacher's word at face value. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember uh, Jack's dad, who's, who's pastor of our location in Norwich, he said, you know why you should be reading your Bible daily? Because I could stand up here and be lying to your face mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you would have no idea. In a skillful way. And there's a lot of pe- preachers that are doing that. Yeah. And because people are too naive or ignorant um, in the context of doctrine and, and faith, because the guy can use some real fancy words and say some Greek and Hebrew words. They're like, oh, he's saying Greek, Hebrew, or Latin. He must be right. No, not necessarily. And so we need to teach people how to think. And and we have, my God, we have so many great tools today all on our phones. A lot of them for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were just talking about that before, yeah. before we started recording. Yeah. But sadly, many people are too lazy and they want, every, it's a microwave culture. But uh, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And so we, as a, as ministers, and that includes you guys too, as people who are in the front, we have the responsibility and we have the calling. Uh, we have the platform to be able to influence people to take them from point A to point B. You know? And that requires, there's another aspect, that requires living a life of integrity. You know, uh, we have to be transparent. And we have to be okay with that. People need to be able to say, that guy's trustworthy. Yeah. I can see him practice it in his life. Right. And so it's okay to be in the front and be transparent so that we influence people, not just what we say, but how we live, how we act, and what we do. Amen. Yeah. Jack, were you going to say something there? Yeah, just so many great points there. Um, I guess the one thing that I'll say is, yeah, we're not indoctrinating people. This is not a cult where we force feed you to kind of mindlessly believe mm-hmm. certain things. Um, this is, we, we are able to logically think through these biblical truths and they all make sense. It's not like if we dig into them more, mm-hmm. they're going to kind of fall apart. They, they don't God's it, it's, it's the best it's not just a story it's truth but it's one of those things where you look everywhere and there's always plot holes in some Mm -hmm. story you know what i mean even talking about comics there's always the plot hole you know what i mean one guy's way too powerful or says one thing here and then in another book says something completely different and you can't find that anywhere through scripture god's not different and even when we're confused and maybe it looks like there's a difference if we Mm -hmm. really investigate it, it it winds up all it winds up working out to where you're like man really god is consistent throughout the whole thing so even Mm -hmm. i I was just thinking about man what a great way to go about studying is is i learned to study and then i could apply it to wherever i'm at because you could be again the guy that works at a tv station yeah you could be um a pastor you could be a youth leader you could be a truck driver and Mm -hmm. it it would all work out but i want to transition to um our next question for you so um you know, as you mentioned, uh, you were involved in youth ministry um, years ago, and then uh, now you are a youth pastor. But um, before we kind of go there, could you share with us, um, I mean, you did a little bit, but just in um, grander scale, maybe your testimony. Mm-hmm. So when I received Christ at 13, uh, the home, my home life was in shambles. My mom, my mom was a practicing witch, um, and that's where I was 
that's when I got to see the spiritual realm that there, I mean, tell you can't, you can put a gun to my head and tell me, you know, there is no such thing as demons. I'm like, shoot it because there is, Yeah. you know, uh, been there, done that. Uh, you know, I can tell you stories that you'd look at me and say, ah, it's not true. I'm telling you, seen some stuff, been through some stuff that I can guarantee you there is a demonic realm which therefore led me to the point where if there are demons and they're doing this stuff that they can clearly see it's demonic then there has to be a god there just has to be a god because there's just no way because my mom my mom had a closet in the back room our pantry half of the closet or the pantry was food the other half was her her prayer room she had buddha big sedges of buddha and it was just a lot of dark things, candles, and my mom would just spend hours in there praying. And, and on Saturdays, she would cleanse the house. And uh, my Lord Jesus, there were just things that were just, uh, that were clear. I mean, this is demonic. And so I started going to church. I was in fifth grade. Going into sixth grade, I would get up on a Sunday morning and walk to the Catholic church. Because uh, I figured I need to pray for my mom. I need to pray for my family. There's just too much bad stuff going in my, going on at home that it's, it just can't be like this forever. So I just started going to church, man, all by myself. And I did that for a couple of years until I, um, long story short, uh, I bumped into a, a legit, real high school born-again believer. Uh, there was chaos happening in my house. I was seven, seventh grade. My brother had attempted suicide. And uh, my mom would go into this, um, my, my mom would go into what I call the trance. She would shake and then she would just kind of zone out. You know, her eyes would close and then this spirit that was dominating her would just kind of come up. Kind of like the Hulk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's Bruce Banner and there was the Hulk. Yeah. Well, the Hulk would come out. You know, my mom and then her voice would change and then she would just do some, say, say some weird things. So this kid, uh, my mom was in the dining room uh, and we were surrounding my mom. And so the bell, the bell rang, our doorbell rang. We lived on the second floor. This kid came up the stairs. I answered the door and I never met him before. And he looked at me and I looked at him and he said, uh, you don't know me and I don't know you. He says, but the Lord told me to come here and pray for you. Now, he lived on the block behind ours. We are over here in, in our Logan Square, Armitage and uh, Armitage and, and, and the Boulevard. And I, and I said, dude, I said, please come up. Please come up because we need prayer. Now, during this time, I had started going to church, St. Sylvester's. So he came up and he had us surround my mom. So there was me and my brother, my sister, and, and my mom's two witch buddies. And we surrounded her and he started praying. He just started praying. And when I'm looking at him thinking, I didn't know you can do that. At least pray like that. I thought you had to do the whole, you know, uh, and go through this whole thing. He was just started saying, oh, Jesus, da, 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 da. He was just rattling off, man. And I was like, wow. It was, it just freaked me out. So when he finished praying, I can't remember what he prayed about, but I just was amazed that I just encountered this this 17-year-old or 16-year-old kid who was able to talk to God, and God talked to him. 
that this could there could be something to this. So long and short, my brother went to the hospital. My mom got better. You know, she would go to sleep and she would wake up. Chino showed up the next day to our house, right? And he had some cassette tapes. And he said, come on, I want, I want you to listen to these. And so he started trying to introduce me to Jesus, but he would use cassette tapes. But I was cool with that, but it was real boring. So long and short, we didn't see him anymore. About a year later, we moved to Wrigleyville. And uh, nothing really changed at home. My mom was still doing her stuff. Things were really, really bad. And then on a Saturday morning in August, I graduated grammar school. I was hanging out with my, I went to go see my friend Julio. It was Saturday morning around 11 o'clock, a beautiful day, and I'm on my bike, and I'm seeing Julio talk to two high schools, two high school girls, real pretty girls. So I kind of showed off in front of them, and, yeah. <laughs> and they were not impressed, but they were preaching the gospel. Wow. These two high school girls, Puerto Rican Latinas, were preaching the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ with passion and conviction. I was mesmerized. Just mesmerized, just looking at them like, wow. I looked beyond their beauty and saw their authentic beauty, which was Christ crucified. They both preached the gospel. One of them said at, at a highlight, about 15 minutes or so of preaching, one of them said, Jesus Christ is in control of the whole world. When she said that, I was, I was, I was in awe because my world was falling apart at home. Everything was falling apart. And then he invited us to receive Jesus as our Savior. And I was like, I'm in. I want to pray. So we prayed right there on, on Sheffield and Waveland, right in front of the Cubby Bear. We prayed, both Julie and myself, to receive Christ as our Savior. The next day, they invited us to go see a movie. And I'm like, I'm in. I want to go do that. So there was a group of about 10 of us, all junior high kids. 10 of us, they walked us down to St. Aloysius. It's in, it's in Humble Park around the hospital. And uh, I watched The Cross and the Switchblade, the, the Nikki Cruz movie. I wept through most of it. I wept through most of it because it was so real to the context, my context of life. It was so real. In fact, I own the movie right now on VHS, oh, wow. by the way. <laughs> I just had to have it. But um, by the end of the movie, this, this, this man came up. His name was Angel. He was a special speaker. He preached the gospel, and I gave the altar call. I went up again, and I answered the altar call with a young lady. She came forward, and we prayed. After that, they invited us to go to church, Saint uh, um, uh, Faith Tabernacle Church, which is right in my community. And that's when I met Larry Butterfield, who became uh, my para father. And at that point, I was all into church. I just I went every week. I answered the I answered the altar call. At least for one year, I went for salvation every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday I was going to the altar because I wanted Jesus. Yeah. I just want Jesus. I just, I wanted him deep in my heart, you know, and, right. and I didn't want anything to get in the way. So I didn't, if there was any little bit of sin that's going to separate from me from Jesus, I want to be forgiven because I can't live without Jesus. So for one year, I just, I answered the altar call until finally one day on a Thursday night, that midweek service, I was on my way home after service and uh, the preacher preached on, he spoke on that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm, I'm riding home. I only lived a few blocks away. 
lived on seminary and grace. And I just kept on saying that over and over again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When I got to my front door, there's a glass. I just looked at myself and I said, Danny, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now I have no idea what that really means yeah. at the time. I just knew it sounded right and there was a there was a click in my spirit like, I'm okay. I'm okay now with Jesus. So I stopped answering the, the altar calls. And from then, I just kind of dove into church. I went to youth group. I just went to morning service, night service. And I just started growing up in the church. And I, and I just got involved. And then I met some incredible people who mentored me, uh, discipled me. Larry Butterfield me, being the main one. He, I went to Monday night boys group. He gave me my first Bible, which I still have. I read it through and through. Larry taught me how to read the Bible. Uh, uh, from Genesis to Revelation. You just got to do it. So I've been reading the Bible through for one year since I was a kid. So I've, I've, I don't know how many times I've read the Bible through and you can never get sold. So I, had the, I started with the Living Bible. I just marked that whole thing up. And then when I got to <clears throat> TV 38, a friend of mine gave me the Amplified version. I read through that. I marked that up. And then from there, I went to the NIV when I started school, college, and Larry gave me my first study Bible, the Thompson Chain Study Bible. And that's completely marked up, and that was my Bible college Bible. And then that's when the, the NCV came out, the NLT version came out, and I, now I'm an NLT fan. You know, so <laughs> I love NLT. Represent. So. Man, uh, first of all, uh, yeah. thank you so much yep. for thank just you. sharing um, the honest story of of your life, you know, and, um, I think I say this every episode, but I, I can never really get past it. Whenever a person is willing to share, um, some of the most vulnerable parts of their life, um, I'm not only honored to be able to hear it, but I'm, I am just greatly encouraged, um, because this, how I feel right now is exactly how I want, uh, listeners to feel, uh, each time they they listen to an episode is just hearing just the rawness of someone's life and I know um, some of us might share similarities some of us but also there's a lot of uniqueness between a person's life but I think in the midst of that people could go man maybe the details were a little different but that's my life yeah maybe the details aren't exactly the same but that's where i was yeah, yeah. and i think the beauty of christ is that he doesn't just work for quote unquote good people um he he changes us from the inside, inside yeah. he changes my heart of stone mm -hmm. and gives me a heart of flesh mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i and i see the consistency of him pursuing you by sending this this young man and then these young teenage girls constantly pursuing to say this is the gospel yeah. that we are sinners god is holy i have no part of holiness until jesus christ yeah. redeemed yeah. me and yeah. that's when you had that verse it's like we are the righteousness of god i'm sure you can preach on it now a whole yeah. sermon <laughs> but it's like that's just enough and it reminds me of something um and i won't share all of my dad's story it's his story um but it reminds me of something that my dad had shared with me, and he he had a very, very uh, rough upbringing as well. Um, but I remember 
he said he was walking down the street one day and uh, he didn't really fully know where he stood with this whole God thing. He kind of felt worthless pretty much his whole life. And he had said that while he was walking down the street, and mind you, he grew, he grew up in very similar neighborhoods uh, that you did. In fact, mm-hmm. we also went to Faith Tabernacle. Um, really? Yeah. My mom was actually running the food pantry there for several years. Yeah. Um, so praise God. But I remember he, we, as, as a young man, he was walking down the street, and he saw, uh, he saw this black woman wearing a shirt. He said, I don't know if that was a shirt that she intended to wear that day or if it was just the only shirt she had left uh, and the rest were in the laundry. I don't know, but I needed to see that shirt. And he said, on that shirt, it said, I know I'm not garbage because God doesn't make yeah, junk. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, like, that's yeah. all I needed to hear yeah, that day. Yeah. And um, and nobody's perfect, but boy, did it, did it create something mm-hmm. in his life uh, that started uh, spearheading a different direction. And it yeah. wasn't some mystical power or some, sometimes we make, uh, faith sounds so it was Jesus the living God working in a human heart yeah and that's beautiful because we're all walking billboards I tell that to the congregation all the time we're the glory of God in other words that means we're walking billboards mm-hmm. and these people these three teenagers were walking billboards imperfect people who just uh, had a heart for God and boldness to be obedient, which I mean, that's one of the things that um, uh, uh, led me into youth ministry when I saw that these three kids were bold enough to do to do what was right, to reach people. That's why I loved youth ministry, and I, I was a lifer, and I empowered my our first youth group was called the PAC, P-A-C-K, People Acknowledging Christ's Kingdom, and so I formed our whole program around that. I want to teach these kids. Not just to know Jesus, but to promote Jesus. Uh, do you know the gospel? Te- teach them the gospel. Teach them discipleship. And we had church. We literally had youth church. And in my second youth group, United in Christ, the same thing. You know, but I upped the ante. You know, I want to bring people right into the presence of God. I want you to bump into God. I want you to have a collision with God's face and God's power. The Moses thing, Moses in the tabernacle, he was face to face with God. That's what we can do every day. Be face to face with God. And then once you leave God's presence, you're always changed. So I think, I believe teenagers can do that today. And now as a campus pastor, uh, I still say I'm I'm still in youth ministry. They're just a lot older. And they can uh, afford their sin. That's what I just yeah. say. They can pay for their sin. But um, but I want to be able to teach people that, that you, number one, you need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to be able to pray and seek God's face. And you need to know the doctrines of our faith. Because right. in today's day and age... There's so much false doctrine, so much garbage out yeah. there that people need to know this is right, this is wrong, and I know how to study the scriptures. Right. I mean, my God, we have how many different translations of the Bible? There's no excuse. There's just no excuse. Uh, pick a Bible that you understand. That's the best Bible for you. Stick with it, learn it, read it, study it, get to know it. You know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple of points I wanted to make to that. Um, the first one is when you were talking about billboards. I remember, uh, I remember you 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 saying that one time. This was at a, uh, this was at Tiffany Daniels. Shout out to Tiffany Daniels. If she Shout out to yeah. Tiffany. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, it was when she had just released her album. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and we were we were got. I think it was 
the New Life Cicero, right? Yeah, that's yep. right. Yeah. New yeah. Life Cicero. And and you were invited to speak there. And I remember you making that very point that we often identify as this personal relationship with Jesus. And I and I want to say I even understand the sentiment, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I understand the sentiment of saying personal relationship in the sense that just because dad and mom are Christian doesn't mean I'm Christian. And I know mm-hmm. sometimes we could say that, well, I grew up, you know, Christian, or I grew up this, or I grew up that. Well, do you actually believe it or, or not? And so I, I get the sentiment when a person is saying, like, my personal relationship as as to say that it's it's not just something I grew up in or didn't grow up in. Right. This is something I believe. I've seen the power of God. I know the work of Jesus. I know he's brought me back to life. And, and so I get it. But you had said that very point. You brought, he has brought us not into just a personal relationship with him, but a public, public. relationship mm-hmm. with him. And I remember you were speaking with all fire that day yeah, too. Public, but it, yeah, yeah. but it was a, it's a public that, like you said, this this billboard analogy that that my life shouldn't just be some hidden in a closet. I have my, that's my private time with Christ. But then yeah. Monday through Saturday, Lord knows what I'm doing. You know, maybe couldn't even care less about you know honoring Christ or whatever. Um, but that it's like, though we don't do this perfectly, and I'll be the first to admit, I know I struggle with it. But our life's desire, and this is, I think, the theme of what we're trying to hit on of worship, is that my life would be this, like you said, billboard that points not to my glory or how good I am, because you could dig deep enough and figure out I'm really not all that great, sure, sure. you know. But that points to His glory and his wonder and taking someone who's not that wonderful and giving them purpose and saying, I have intrinsic value because I was made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. But now more than that, I'm redeemed in Christ. And mm-hmm. now my life is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't need to bolster ourselves either. I mean, the value that Christ gives us is enough. You know what I mean? And sometimes too. So I think you hit it right on the head and I love that with those girls, right? You, you're coming and I'm sure it had to throw you off as, you know, you're trying to like do like a bunny hop on your bike. Yeah. And then you're like, cause you're like, Oh, pretty girls. And then they're yeah. speaking the gospel. They're sharing the power of the gospel with you. Yeah. And, um, you saw that beauty of Christ in them sharing the gospel. And yeah, I think, man, the perfect billboard is yes, we're imperfect. And there's sometimes a lot of holes and a lot of tears and praise God that he's healing us and he's changing us every day um, to look more and more like his son. And mm-hmm. I believe in that mm-hmm. sanctifying Yeah, we're work. in a process, gentlemen. Yeah. We're in a journey. We're mm-hmm. on a journey. Yeah. We're all on this pilgrim's progress. Right. Um, and, and, and we're not supposed to be the perfect billboard. Let yeah. me help you understand something. Because if we were the perfect billboard, then we really won't get as many looks. Yeah. Right. But because we're broken, people are going to say, wow, why is that tear? Yeah. How come that, you know, when you get a a jacked up billboard, really, we're going to look at it and say, why is that thing all messed up? But then there's a message on that billboard that can clearly be seen. Yeah. And it's because we're imperfect billboards, because we're not the perfection, people will see, people should be able to uh, uh, see and hear and feel this message that behind it is perfection. It's grace. It's mercy, it's compassion, and 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 just getting to know you. I'm able to see and hear and feel and see this this Christ crucified 
in you, in your story, in your lifestyle, in your honesty, in your rawness. Right. Right. You know, that's why none of us should judge anyone because we are all as guilty as anyone else. Yeah, and what an honor that we get to share that. You Come know what on, I mean? Man. We get to share the hope of glory from, and we're imperfect. We get to be a yeah. part of God's will here on earth. Yeah. Um, and man, who are we? Who are we to who receive are we? that? Amen. Right. Heading uh, up and for the grace of God. Absolutely, absolutely. I am. Um, I uh, I just I wanted to kind of follow this up with uh, with talking about some of your time in in youth ministry because um, time is is fleeting from us, but we do still have a couple more questions. Uh, hopefully, we could get through them. Um, so I, I I wanted to ask this. Um, we especially um, from your time. This is kind of go, diving into your time in youth ministry and just even. Uh, your experience as a father, right? And we see in Scripture that uh, throughout the Proverbs, Colossians 3.21, Ephesians 6, Deuteronomy 6, there is this pattern that talks about parents teaching their children in the way they should go, yeah. right? And we see this over, teach them the word, teach them my love, yeah. memorize it, learn it, you know, put it on the home, you know, like really just l like soak it in all the time. And, um, and, and currently we also work in youth ministry and what an honor and a, and a privilege that is. But one of our, uh, one of our philosophies, if you would, is that we always want to partner with the parents, not replace the parents. Correct. And, and I will even say in some cases, I understand that there are special circumstances when a child is perhaps coming and their parents aren't believers. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, so I want to, I want to pay respect to that, that I understand not everyone is necessarily coming from a believing upbringing, right? Yeah. Case in point with you, right? Yeah. Some, some, somebody coming, but as, as a youth leader and as, and as a father, um, would you be willing to just kind of share, uh, some of your own experiences? Um, because we believe that being a parent as difficult as it is, is one of the greatest honors and responsibilities a person can have. Absolutely. Uh, one of the books that I read when I started, when I was doing youth ministry and I was developing a program was called Counseling Teenagers. Probably the best book I read. Uh, in this book, uh, my kids were just shorties at the time. They were just, they were really little. Um, they weren't even in school yet, or Aaron had, I think, just started school. But anyways, this, this book, Counseling Teenagers, helped me to be able to grasp the, what's called the three, the, there's four stages of growth, four stages of adolescence, three primary, and then one is your adulthood. And Larry Butterfield, also who's my coach and trainer in youth ministry, always said, always try to be one step ahead of the, of the kids. So I tried with reading, studying, and, and learning, always be one step ahead, but I, I knew I had to figure out how, are you, how do you work, how do you function, especially in inner city with broken kids and gangbangers and whatnot. So there's, there's a few things I did. Number one, um, develop relationships. Uh, all people want relationships. We're not, no one's a loner. I'm sorry when people say, oh, I just like to be alone. Yeah, you're lying. Maybe every now and then you do, but generally people like, hello, this season right now with COVID, yeah. people are going crazy. Oh, I was just yeah. talking to a lady on the other day where she's a single, she's a single woman. She worked, she told me the other day, she'd been working all by herself. She goes home, she's by herself. And then during Father's Day, she's looking at all these posts on Facebook. She started crying because she was lonely. She goes, yeah. I, I want a man. So anyways, my point is, these kids, they, they number one, they're, all, they're looking for what's called a fixed state of perfection. 
fixed state of perfection. That's where like the Martin Michael Jordans and the Shaquille O'Neal's and the 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 J Lo's and all these superstars. Those are called fixed state of perfections. Those are people or models. I want to be like them, you know, because they I see this image that I'm attracted to and I want to be like them. So we as youth leaders become their fixed state of perfection as they get to know us. So that requires vulnerability, requires honesty, and requires time and effort. So I spent a lot of time with kids. I would say 80% of my youth ministry years was building relationships. And then that, so that way they gave me leverage when I preached. Because when I preached, they responded to two things people are looking for when you speak. They want to know, number one, do you know what you're talking about? Number two, do know what you're talking about? Oh, do you believe what you're saying? Okay, so when I spent time with them, I would go to the schools, we had lunch with them, I videotaped them, we'd hang out, blah, blah, blah. And then when I preached, they know, man, Pastor Danny's telling me the truth. He believes this. So when I give an altar call, they responded. Or when I would challenge them in discipleship, they responded. Or when I would rebuke them, they responded. So I became a para father. And then as I got to meet the parents and I see how messed up they are, I want to come to church and, you know, that kind of that whole thing. So when it came to my kids, it was no different with my kids. I, I don't know. My, my, my wife and I tell, you know, we tell people we have no idea what we did with them and why all three of them are, are involved with us. And we have no idea. I, I don't know. We were not the perfect parents. We didn't have family devotions. Gabe, I don't know if you can. We maybe randomly we would have family devotions. We would pray for our food. But that's really about it, man. Uh, we just hung out. We just... You know, and then when they got old enough, they joined the youth group and then they were with me all the time, you know, and then we formed the <laughs> the Lopez band, you know, oh. the worship band. And, you know, I just yeah. I just I just did devotions in front of my kids. Um, I just my wife and I just lived honest lives in front of our kids and I prayed profusely over them all the time uh, when they turned 13, I held, I gave each of them a bar mitzvah, a Puerto Rican bar mitzvah. Uh, when they turned 18, I did it again. Uh, I sanctioned them as men uh, to bless them, yeah. you know, because I, I, it's, it's the least I can do. So, yeah, as far as parenting, and I was just, I rebuked them when they needed rebuking. I spanked them when they needed spanking. Gabe, uh, never. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not Gabe. I, went, I knew all their, because Believe again, this is You fun. were on our first episode. <laughs> My, yeah, because I was a youth pastor, I was privileged enough to have the schools that they went to. I had students in the oh. school, so I got, to, I got to know all of their teachers. Oh. On a first name basis for Aaron and 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 Alicia oh, and Gabe. Oh man, that's gotta be so, brutal. Yeah, yeah. So I got to I got to see them at school a lot, yeah. and I got to meet his friends or their friends, you know. So yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's influence. I think the parent will always have the greatest amount of influence in a student's life, whether it's negative or positive. Yeah. You know, negative or positive, the parent always has the greatest amount of influence. And I tried to tell the parents that. But then me being a parent, parent, I also have an influence. In fact, right now, I, I wrote a list this morning. This is a list of kids from my first youth group that I now have full access to. They're all in their mid-40s, and I still call them kids. And uh, it's blowing my mind. Wow. I'm blowing my, my mind 
how much they still talk about our youth our, our youth group days mm-hmm. and how uh, they the stuff that they're telling me about the impact that I've made and I'm looking at them I was like I had we have Zoom I still get together with these people on Zoom yeah I'm like wow that's I great. had no idea what I was doing like yeah but Danny but man you you know you did this and you did that and you did this for us and I'm like when did I do that you know because I have no idea what I was doing. Yeah. But I think it's all relationships, man. You know, I just, I told them I just loved you. I cared about you and I prayed for you. And they're like, yeah, you know, we love you. And uh, one of the young men, oh, Jesus. One of the young men, you know, I do the 130 prayer at, at, on, on Facebook. Yesterday, um, I was praying. He has back pain. He lives in California. He has severe back pain. And so uh, I'm praying online, and he says, he says you know, I'm not telling him, I'm telling him, hey, tell me, how can I pray for you right now? How can I so I see his name, and I call out his name, and he says, that back pain. So I'm praying over his back pain. And then towards the ending, he, he posted, I love you, Pastor Danny. He's in his mid-40s. And we go way back. He was a brat. <laughs> he tested my patience, but he said, I love you, Pastor Danny. And I'm like, but I don't know what I did for you. But I think what I did for him was be an icon. I expressed love. And his sisters, too. And there's all these kids. Uh, they're all messed up. They all have problems. They, they've backslidden. But I told him, I told him last week, hey guys, I, I still call them my kids. I say, hey kids, I still pray for you every day by name. One of them answered back. He said, thanks, Pastor Danny. He says, because my dad, uh, my dad passed away years ago. And, and he says, uh, I didn't know who else to go to who would love me like my dad. And he says, I'm so glad you're in my life. Jesus. You know, we, 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 We'll never really know how much impact we'll have on a person's life, maybe until way, way later. But I'm telling you, as long as we continue to pursue the face, which is a favorite, the face of God, and let that become an influencing factor in our hearts, where you just know, if without Jesus, I would be an utter mess. And then we begin to show that, to be vulnerable, to be honest, with people, people, people are looking for that. People are hungry for. People are hungry for what's real, what's authentic. I don't think people, these kids, you know, I don't think none of them can remember any kind of message that I spent hours working on. Right? They'll never. They don't remember the messages, but they remember the lifestyle. Right? They remember the lifestyle. They remember the time I took them out to to eat the time we went to camp, the time they, they did gags on me, you know, uh, the laughs, the, the, the lock-ins. They remember that stuff. You know, the, camp, the camping trip where we just talked about life. <sighs> yeah. That's awesome. Pastor Danny, um, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for everything that you've been sharing today. Um, I think I think we hit on a lot of really good points. Um, I'm 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 excited not only for how God is using you still, 
Um, but just just those constant reminders of like, man, you're right. You never know what impact you'll have on a person. Maybe we won't even see it mm-hmm. on this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll pass away and still not even see, but then maybe I'll see that person in heaven. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, you told me something one time, and mm-hmm. I never forgot it. And yeah, I did my own thing for years, but when things hit the fan, mm-hmm. I remember whether it was a verse or an encouragement, and you said that, and it pointed me back mm-hmm. to Christ. And I'm, we'll probably be looking at people in heaven and going, I I didn't know you'd be here, yeah, but yeah. I'm so glad that you are here, yeah. and I'm. we're going to worship the Lamb together. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lock arms with you, and we're going to praise God together, because we're, mm-hmm. we're going to be so focused on Him. You know, He's going to be the best part about yeah. it, but yeah. um, I'm just truly, truly amazed, and and, and I just kind of as we're wrapping up, I'm, I'm just thinking this. You're right. The power of influence and and, and how important it is to continually uh, share the gospel with people and continually uh, allow people to see the gospel working in your life. Exactly right. Um, and, exactly um, right. And, and what a profound testimony that is, uh, especially for, for young people who not only shape society as, as time goes on, I mean, they're the future of the church. You know, as no, no, no. <laughs> Re- no. To get rid of that phrase, I hate that phrase. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so good. No, no, no. I've heard it for please, years. Yeah. please. They are not the future. They are the church now. They are. You know what? You're right. They You're are right. the church now. You're and right. if you and you would spend time with them and teach them how to access the throne of grace, right? They will be again those three teenagers. Yeah. Right. They were the church. They right. were what is 16, 17 year olds. Right. They knew. How, they knew just enough scripture. To, t- to give me faith and they knew how to pray. Yeah. And then they were bold enough to go out on the streets and do and it. Do it. Yeah. They're not the church of today. They're the church of here. They're the church of now. They're the church of today, but they need disciple makers. Right, right, right. They need disciple makers that'll grab them by the hand and say, this is, this is how you do it. This is why you do it. Now go do it. Right. Yeah? Yeah. That's where that's at. Amen. And it's through influence. It's through time, patience, uh, 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 rebukes, edifications, coaching, training, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Just be bold, man. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'm even right you, it's, now, it's and even, easy. Yeah. It's easy to be, it's easy to be a Christian behind a guitar, behind drums, right. yeah. behind a pulpit. Yeah. yeah? It's, a, it's another thing to be that kind of person that these people need behind the, the wheel of your car while yeah. you're driving, you're taking it from here to there. Or when you bring them into your house. Right. I brought these kids to my house all the time because I wanted them to know this is how I live. You got, These are the movies that I'm watching. You know, this is, uh, you know, I, people have access. If you want, if you need to, you can see my phone. I don't have nothing to hide from you. I have nothing to hide from you. Yeah. I'm vulnerable, I'm transparent. And that's what these people want to see. What are you like at home? What kind of movies do you watch? What kind of music are you listening to? How do you talk to your wife? How do you treat your kids? How do you spend your money? What kind of car do you drive? You know, what do you like when you're not in church? That's why I like visiting the people at their jobs or mm-hmm. they come over to my house for small groups. I want you to see the kind of couch that I own. You know, uh, uh, you, you feel what I'm saying? I understand Absolutely. exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I'm sorry. You got me on my, I'm sorry. No. Excited. Jack, don't know if you have any final thoughts or if you want to close us out. No, I just, um, man, I just, well, thank you again, Pastor Danny. I know that he said it, but man, we love you. <laughs> We're so grateful that you've been here, that you've poured out your heart. Yeah, I, um, 
I think it that actually the last portion ties into like what uh, what we talk about, right? Why do why why is it important to worship while at work? Why is it important when you're a dad or even you have the role of pastor? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the real deal. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. That's that's when you know it's real. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's easy yeah. to fake people. Again, talking about a lot of people that um, say a lot of false truths, especially about the gospel and stuff like that, it's really easy to fake because all you need to really be is a kind of a likable person, yeah. um, good stage presence, which you could go to Second City and mm-hmm. learn that. Um, mm-hmm. But there's something, man, when, when you know, it's just like when you were talking to those girls, you're like, something is different. Yeah. Something is different. And I just even think about uh, a ton of people. This is coming out, when again, August, right? Um, at time of... I don't want to make any promises, okay? Well, <laughs> God willing, August, yeah. Yeah. I believe. But thinking of um, a few people now, um, today is, what, June 26th? Yeah. Um, yeah. Larry Kralis is uh, an elder at... Um, or was an elder at um, New Life Norwood, but was at Portage Park, uh, Jefferson Park, and Irving Park. And uh, he unfortunately went to go be with the... Well, fortunately, he went to go Mm -hmm. be with the Lord, but Mm -hmm. here on earth, it's sad that he passed away. Um, He passed away yesterday. And uh, I was looking at the Facebook post, and it was so funny how similar it was to these kids the the person that you call kids because there were so many people that go because he was in charge of our ushers ministry and they go man he was the first person i met and i shook his hand and i automatically felt welcome and he gave a lot of great sermons and he taught a lot of people and they described that no doubt but they were like this is a godly man and i knew it from his handshake yeah i knew it from his handshake and i knew the way he talked to me and i knew the transparency in his life and he was let me just say this a very well off monetary like monetarily very well off he was a smart businessman but he even used his money to to glorify and honor god um he would sponsor me him and his wife were very generous to my family but they would sponsor me to go to camp every Mm. year so that i could hear the gospel um thank you lord and so uh they always contributed to the church and so many people go wow man uh, they look at his life and they're like, I felt love from this guy. He was a father yeah. figure to me. Yeah. And so I think um, there's examples, like you said, of you in your life. And thank you for thank you for being an obedient, <laughs> obedient guy. Um, and I look at guys like Larry and I look at guys like my dad, where sometimes it can be so discouraging ministry-wise. And even people that we don't know, but, but maybe are living this worship lifestyle at their job, yeah. in their life, living with this integrity, being obedient to the Lord just yeah. as worship and it's difficult and man that's that's encouraging to me don't don't give up amen don't yeah. don't give up <laughs> don't give up yeah. uh, there are people that are watching there are people that God has given you influence over yeah. and man people God doesn't do it so you could, so he could just go yay and then for no reason he yeah. he uses these things who again who are we that he would even use us Amen. is there anything that i could give to him no there isn't is there is there words or phrasing even if you th- even if you are talented there's nothing you can present but it's purely by his grace and his mercy that he's yeah. chosen us well, to do as well isn't it true even with our music you know drums guitar keys there'll always be someone better yeah there will always be someone better i mean you know, I, I consider I'm consider myself a crappy uh, guitar player, uh, 
but I was able, I remember the guy told me when I first started to learn how to play guitar, he says, if you can just play four chords real good, he said, you'll be able to play almost any worship song. <laughs> you know? What is that? The G, D, yep. C, E minor. E minor, e minor C, yep. Yeah. And I was like, really? You know? So I, I, in order to lead the kids in the worship, I couldn't do it behind drums. So I yeah. learned the guitar and I learned those four chords. My first song was Awesome God by Rich Mullins. Wow. You know, my Great first song. song. Praise God. Yeah. And, and um, from then, it, it's, but I, I just, always, there'll always be someone better. Always be someone better. But if we can just do what we can with what we have, God will do and has done miracles. Yep. Miracles. Because God's not looking at our talents. Yeah. God is looking at the sincerity and the brokenness of our heart, our availability. Yep. Uh, God wants to, are you available to me? Can I use you today? You know, can I use you? Would you mind if no one knows you? You know, that's, that's, <laughs> you know. We could take this conversation to kingdom come. Pastor Danny, th <laughs> thank you so much. I think that's a good note yep, to end on. Is. Thank you so much yeah. for, for just yeah. your time, uh, for, for all your wisdom being shared Absolutely. here on the show. We're, we're, we're honored it, to have you here. We can't I'm, wait I'm to, to, uh, to air this episode. Uh, you can find Pastor Danny at New Life Logan. See, got that? Square. <laughs> Logan Square. Square. <laughs> Logan, Logan Triangle. Yeah. Is, it, is the other one. <laughs> Logan Circle. That's their new location. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, the, it's their daughter location. Yeah. Um, please, listeners, remember to check out DeeperStillGathering.com for more information about us and where you can, and how you could get involved and remember worship 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 worship, worship everywhere everywhere, everywhere. Oh. <laughs> maybe next episode you're done you're done